We know who's going to be in the World Series. We'll discuss that. We are going to get into the media sessions and what came out when Chris Antonetti sat down and talked. On top of that, we have some quotes and some other fun things to talk about on today's episode of... You are Locked On Guardians. Your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Guardians. I am your host, Jeff Ellis. I want to take a moment and say today's episode of Locked On Guardians is sponsored by Simply Safe Home Security with Fast Protect trademark technology exclusively from Simply Safe. 24 7 monitoring agents capture evidence to accurately verify a threat for faster police response. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Visit simplysafe.com slash locked on MLB to learn more. I also want to thank you for making Locked On Guardians your first listen today and every day, wherever it is you get podcasts. And then to tell you who I am, I've been the host of Lockdown Guardian since the inception. Before that, I was a lead draft and prospect analyst at Scout and 24-7. And before that, I got my start at, I was the first guy, first person that Tony Lastoria brought on to what was, I don't even know if we had official name of Indians Prospect Insider. I can't remember what we were called exactly at that time. Uh, but I remember the debate and I thought Indians prospect insider was too long and prospect was a tricky word to spell and I was against it. So <laughs> just kind of some fun backstory. If you enjoy that site, uh, I was very wrong. Uh, now, of course, well, I'm not going to speak for Justin. Justin, how do they uh, know you? Well, I've been around every Cleveland sports blog. I'm Justin Latta. I've been on Burning River Baseball, ESPN Sweet Spot. It's pronounced Lajuay. Fan sided, all that kind of stuff, and uh, I'm the freelance. I'm a freelancer for the News Herald and the Morning Journal up here in Cleveland, and I am the editor in chief of Guardians Baseball Insider, which was formerly Indians Baseball Insider, which was formerly Indians Prospect Insider. Yeah, it's a long, strange trip. I it was like 2007 when I joined there. So what about I've been yeah. kind of officially somewhere for now. 15 years because <laughs> it was it was not long after that team got eliminated from the postseason that that started for me so yeah it's probably been about i discovered the site about then so maybe i didn't start working until the summer but i'm approaching 15 years uh in this industry so that's kind of fun uh speaking of fun the world series uh may not be fun for everyone but i think it's kind of fascinating in two regards one the astros are the only favorite team that kept winning and boy did they trounce the yankees uh, we saw all of their weaknesses that showed up in that Cleveland series and all of their offensive issues came to the forefront. The Phillies, the team that was third in their own division. Uh, the last always, team to yeah, make it in. Yeah, the, uh, they were the underdog the whole way. Uh, they're an interesting team from two perspectives. One, it's that whole idea of you just got to make it and who knows what's going to happen. I don't think anyone picked the Phillies at any point in time to win this thing. No one expected them to get this far. And, you know, it is interesting from the other perspective that when you get down to it, these are two teams that aren't afraid to spend. You know, the Astros have kept their own guys. They've lost some, but they've also been able to spend to keep their talent in place. And you can go and look at this Phillies team when they added Castellano. So I know didn't have a great year. They added Schwarber. They always go out and add, add, add. And it's going to be, in some regards, it'll be fascinating. You know, they went out and traded their arguably their top prospect to uh, go get uh, Brandon Marsh to, to 
fix their center field issue. Uh, it's going to be, you know, I, I'm just going to put it on the back burner for later this offseason. But there was talk at points in time that the Phillies were interested in Zach Plesak. Just mm-hmm. could be something that, you know, I'm saying could get still revisited as this Phillies team will still have some needs and uh, wants. But if you're a Phillies fan, this is probably extremely unexpected and fun. But it also shows, like, if things break right, Cleveland could have been here. Anyone can be there. It just matters if you make it. Yeah, I mean, certainly there are some things that Cleveland is missing, I think, that have been highlighted throughout the postseason through the Cleveland and Yankee series and, and even now, which we'll get into later in the podcast, that I'll I'll bring up some stats and some good tweets about that. But, yeah, you just got to get in. And, and I think the Phillies are an interesting approach. It's almost like, a, I don't want to say it's stars and scrubs because that's kind of demeaning to the players that are really good, but it is kind of a start. Like, they they had enough frontline talent. They had, you know, Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola. They have – Schwarber and, and Harper and Reese Hoskins has really discovered himself again in the postseason. Like they've got enough like frontline talent. So you really just got to have a, a handful of big guys and they have to come through in the postseason. And Cleveland's still kind of working towards that. You know, you've got Bieber and you've got um, McKenzie and you've got Jose and you've got Jimenez, you know, Jose at the injury and Jimenez. We'll touch on that in a minute. Uh, you've got class a, so you've got your, your stars right there, I think. And you've got some more that you're, you know, you're hoping to to build around here in the future. So the foundations are set to be kind of like the Phillies, but the Phillies got to remember a lot of those guys are free agent trade or uh, free agent and trade pieces, right? That's not a very homegrown team. So no. it's a different, uh, of course it's a Dave Dombrowski led team. So of course it's not a prospect because he does not uh, ever keep his own prospects. You know, it's just interesting to go just beyond that, too, because of like they they had so many high draft picks and they did one of the worst jobs I've ever seen in terms of scouting and <laughs> develop. I mean, the last 10 years were a clinic and how to not draft. So Andrew Painter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we'll see how it goes. And, you know, especially in that first round. But it was just there were a lot of points where I was like, Ooh, I don't love that. And, and, you know, I'll be curious to see what they do. You know, I, I know a lot of Cleveland, but you know, just to further hit on this point, like uh, Ragnar Suarez being their third pitcher, I believe he was from, you know, he's an internal guy, but he was, he's 27. He has bounced up and down and had, it's not been even he was a, a reliever pass. last year. Yeah. Yeah. Most people didn't even know who Bailey Falter was until yesterday. I'm betting when he got knocked out of the game, and then you you look, I mean, the bullpen is like, they're the anti-guardians. This is not a good pen, really. It's, it's you know, they put Thor in there after they acquired him because Bailey Falter was a better option to start. Uh, a lot of kind yeah, of Robertson and old friend Brad Hand. Hand, yeah. It's just, it's it's fascinating from that perspective that this is a team that is kind of in some respects the, anti, uh, the anti-guardians. But yeah, I mean, they could potentially use a starter and a reliever this offseason. And that's why I'm kind of curious to see, you know, could is, you know, that I've had multiple people ask me about Reese Hoskins. I have a hard time thinking that they're going to trade him. Uh, yeah. I, I just can't see that occurring. Maybe, you know, they'll talk Alec bomb boom uh, this off season, but it, it was not a good year for him. And it hasn't been a good year since the 2020 season, which you can't take any data out of. So, yeah, I mean, this Phillies team, like the other reason I, they remind me of Cleveland. It's like they have a lot of gaping holes. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of places that they could use improvement and uh, you know, the right guys hit at the right time. It's, it's just, like I said, it's going to be fascinating because they have, it's not a deep miners. 
they have not developed well. They have some massive holes. I, they're the, I still think they are the team most likely to, uh, most likely team to have a rough year next year. Like mm-hmm. looking at all these postseason teams, they're the one that has the ugliest path back in my mind. Am I crazy? Oh, it's a, it's always hard to get back, but yeah, for sure. I mean, it's look, they've got it. Their their lineup is still really good. If Reese Hoskins carries this over to next year, we're getting the lockdown mm-hmm. Philly territory here. But um, yeah. if they if they care, I mean, the lineup's hitting. They have a good lineup. There's no doubt about that. They're just you know they don't not, they're not a super young team either. So no. We'll see. Um, speaking of Zach, please, Zach, we didn't plan this moment. We could dig into this into a future episode, but um, we've touched on the rule changes for next year with, you know, pickoffs and controlling the running game. Zach, please, is one of the guys we know who is very good at holding runners on. Is there some intrinsic value to be had in Zach, please, in any role? Because he is one of the guys who is great at holding runners on. We know it's going to be harder next year. So, like, is there like a un. You can't quantify. I don't know if you can quantify it or not. Maybe someone's quantified it, but does he have some sort of hidden value in his ability to control the run game that other pitchers may not next year with the new rules that we're not thinking about? And potentially, I mean, he's still he's still Zach Plesac, so it's <coughs> excuse me. I think what's going to be interesting, just in general, is like this pitch count, like how much that is going to throw off every pitcher's mechanics, and how much that's also going to be like quick to the plate. Man, having coughed for the but last you, hour. You and, only uh, have but, two attempts to throw over. So yeah. there's no more there's no more of this, you know, don't show the yeah. guy your best move on the first try. It's okay, throw over once and your second move has to be your best move. And if you do it a third time and you don't get him out, the guy gets the next base until the next batter comes up. So yeah. I, I don't know. And maybe if there's just some like small intrinsic value that comes from having pitchers that are that have good pickoff moves and he's one of them. No, I mean, it's it's potentially there. I, I just wonder how much it's, you know, it's like a bonus feature, and I don't know if it's enough to drive value outside of it. It's a nice bonus feature, but... Well, I don't think we're going to know about that until until after next year. I don't think yeah. we're going to we're gonna see the true effect of it until we're a year into these rule changes. So that's why I'm just kind of wondering how they'll approach things with him um, because of this rule change and because of what he can do. I mean... If it turns out that is some sort of value, it would they would not get that. They would not extract that value from him trade wise. This offseason would be next yeah. offseason. No, that's for sure. It's it's going to be interesting to watch. It's it's almost going to be like a different game next year in some regards. Like mm-hmm. it's honestly going to be something with all the rule changes that are occurring at once. I it's going to be a little bit chaos. I feel like at the start. For sure, uh, we're going to take our first break here. We're going to come back. And we have, you know, we mentioned the end of the year media session where some interesting things came out. We know Tito's staying. We'll get into that. We'll talk about additional injury information. Uh, we got some fun quotes in segment three. And then we're going to also, in segment three, reach out to the fans to help us with future content on the show. So make sure to tune in and check that out. But first, let's talk about our good friends over at Simply Safe. Simply Safe is one of our newest sponsors. And, you know, it's all in the name Simply Safe. They want to keep your home safe and they want to make it as simply done as possible. As everyone knows, athletes rise and fall in rankings when it comes to saving money. Simply, <laughs> sorry, Simply Safe is, stays on top. And right now, you can save big with Simply Safe Home Security. They're giving listeners 40% off their advanced security system. Simply Safe was just named the best home security of 2022 by US News. 
I use U.S. News all the time. That's how I decide what car I was buying. If U.S. News says it, then I believe it. So remember to check out Simply Safe, which was the number one home security by U.S. News, one of the best places you can go for information on things. Your safety is the only thing that matters to them. So they have 24-7 professional monitoring. When a threat is detected, Simply Safe's monitoring professionals promptly contact you and dispatch first responders to your home, even if you're away or asleep. They're watching you. They're like Santa Claus. They know when you've been naughty or nice, and they know when something naughty or nice is happening to your home, and they will send them to your house. Don't miss this chance to say big when you protect your home with the best. Get 40% off your order when you visit Simply Safe backslash lockdown MLB today. Customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes. That's simplysafe.com backslash locked on MLB. I'm going to do this again. Uh, sorry, badly written copy. That's simplysafe.com backslash locked on MLB today. Go today. There's no safe like Simply Safe. And when I say something about copy, that is nothing against a company. That's, that's against probably something in network. I'm just going to get myself in trouble. But uh, yeah, if US News says it, I believe it. Simply Safe is the best. Go check them out and save 40%. Okay. So we are in the second half. Uh, you know, the media end of the year thing, uh, not a whole lot came of it. I, I don't think there was a ton of great takeaway quotes, but let's be honest, front and center. Tito's back is probably the big thing. One, are you surprised at all? I mean, he was real. This is probably his healthiest season in years, so I wasn't terribly surprised. And two, how many years can he realistically manage at this point? Yeah, no, no surprise that he's back by any means. I mean, they they touched on it earlier in the year that he was going to be back and he was going to make it to the end of the season. It was just a matter of sitting down and kind of hammering out the details. And he's going to go year to year at this point. It's not going to be a a multi year thing. So it's just going to be a year to year contract depending on his health. Um, hard to say. I mean, he got this whole season. I guess we'll know next season. I guess it's kind of like a player for the first time pitching in the playoffs or the first time playing 162 games is the first time that Tito has managed uh, all season since 2019, right? So um, we'll see how he responds to the full season of rigors again next year and how he comes back in, in 2023 off of that. I don't know. Yeah, he's... 63. Yeah. They'll turn 64 in April. You know, it's like baseball and baseball managing and politicians are the one thing where uh, we don't, you know, uh, retirement ages don't seem to uh, come to be. They're made up. Yeah. I, uh, you know, we, uh, he is loved. He does a great job. He, here's the thing with Tito. I think he does all the things well that are very hard to quantify. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he is not a fan of the new school. He is totally locked into, you know, about 10 years ago in terms of some of the lineup stuff and pitching things. But the way he managed the team is, you know, you, you can't second guess the guy. I think it just comes down to health. Like if he has another year, like 2020 or 2021 next year, that might signal the end. But if he's healthy, it feels like he's just going to keep going. So, right. yeah. I think some uh, of that stuff to, to say, too, about past stuff, because there's just so much that's going on in that clubhouse that we don't ever know about, that no one's ever going to know about, whether it's it's hard for even the media to to get information on. So I think when you say, like, 
oh, you know, he does stuff a certain way and, and it's it's looks like he's not paying attention to data or what's going on in, in 2022. But I think I think one of the things you can you can't quantify the factors into that is knowing his own players. I think uh, there was a good good story. One of the few good Bob Costa stories, because let's be honest, there were a lot of bad ones uh, during that, uh, during the postseason when he was broadcasting. But one of the things he brought up was there was a player who came to him and told him, you know, Hey, I, you know, about his his usage in the postseason. And the guy told him, um, you know, go ahead and, and use me as much as you need to. Don't, don't ruin the arms of any of these young guys who don't have a contract. I have a contract I'm taking care of. And there was a story the other day about Josh Beckett and he pitched about pitching him in the postseason in 2007 on three days rest and um, kind of reading that, you know, Beckett would do it, but he didn't think he'd be as good without saying he wouldn't be as good. So I think one of the, one of the things that you can hear from Tino on how they make decisions, just how he talks about his players is he knows his players pretty well. And he's, he does a good job making sure he knows what's going on with them and when they're lying to him and when they're not lying to him, because Let's be honest. Players are going to lie to you a lot. It's a lot of that is just them saying, "Yeah, I feel good. I, I can play," or you know, "Yeah, I'm available." There's a big difference between those two things, and I think he's done a good job of figuring those things out. So, when you talk about like he's stuck in doing certain things certain ways, but um, I wonder how much of that comes from just kind of knowing his players and, and kind of having to stick to a certain set of decisions because he knows you know what guys can and can't do, and when they're not available and that sort of thing. I mean, it definitely could be. I also think like Owen Miller showed us this year with his use that there is a degree of both. I think it's fair to think there's a degree of both going on. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, I think he knows his players and that might explain why someone like Ahmed hits two, even though that may not be ideal. Like there might be something he knows there that makes sense. But on the other side of it, like I said, hitting Owen Miller against lefties when we know it's just, he can't do it is, working. you know, the, the other side. So I'm betting it's both honestly. And you know, like I said, it's, um, he does his job well. He's a good manager. Um, like there's things to second guess, but I'm not losing my mind over that. Uh, Jimenez is broken thumb, so that might explain some of his postseason scuffles. Apparently, this team needs to like put all thumbs in plexiglass. So, my initial thought was, I mean, listen, every I, I saw the tweets. Everyone talked about how many times he got hit. But I'm like, if he is, if his thumb is already a, a risky thing, can we please talk to him this offseason about not sliding into <laughs> head first into first base all the time? Uh, it might explain why in the postseason he finally went feet, well, finally, why he went feet first instead of head first, uh, if that thumb was bothering him because, uh, because of that. But in, you know, an interesting, we all knew Jose was hurt. We all thought he had gotten better. So that was interesting to be like, oh no, he was just hurt all year and never got any better. And that explained a lot of things going on with him. What did you think about the, you know, Jimenez situation? Well, I think first of all, Jeff, if the Guardians go like eighty-one and eighty-one next year, but but Andres Jimenez doesn't slide into first base once next year, I think you'll consider it a, a successful season. Like I think you'll be the most happy of it out of anybody. That okay, they didn't go back to the playoffs, but Andres Jimenez didn't slide into first base. So I'm calling this season a win. Uh, no, but seriously, he he definitely does need to stop that. He definitely did get hit a lot. I kind of wonder, I, I see some of these players, not all of them have like the, the little grip. Love. Oh yeah. There's like, there's different things. Like some guys have this like little rubber thing that goes on their fingers. Some of them use that big old pad. I wonder if maybe like he needs some additional equipment on his hand. Like I know some people are like, Oh, it's ridiculous how much they wear up there, but you know, I don't care. I don't want my best players getting hurt. And I want to see 
the best players playing all the time. I want to see the best players playing against the best players. So if this guy's got to wear a pad on his thumb to hit and it doesn't affect him and I don't care, just do it. Stay on the, you know, whatever it takes to play at your best level. If that it's not cheating. So, you know, put, put the, put the grip on the thumb or whatever it is, make it stabilized and give protected because I'm obviously Jimenez gets hurt a lot with his stance. So, or gets uh, hit by a pitch a lot. So do whatever you got to do. Find something that goes on your hand to fix it. And their two best hitters were hurt for the postseason, which is less yeah. than ideal. And Jose's, in your lineup. Yeah. And Jose's had a, a, a history of those like hand and wrist issues too. Yeah. You know, and, and again, it's, it's another byproduct of his stance too. He gets a lot of balls up and in because he's out over the plate and he wants to be ready to yank the ball down the right field line. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back in segment three. We have some internal stuff to get into, uh, as well as some fun quotes. Make sure you're tuned in. You're going to hear some hot takes on what was the biggest story in Locked On on Friday. In a moment, on Locked On Guardians. Okay, so if you missed it, the Locked On Warriors, um, we have to address what happened because Locked On got the most attention we have ever gotten as a network, all for the negative. The humorous aspect about it to me was, I mean, I didn't get a note pissed. I, I think pissed is okay to say. I think that's, <laughs> I, I didn't get mad as much as annoyed because the general take, and I like, I understand to a degree where they were coming from this idea of like, listen, don't take rumors from bad sources or, mm. you know, it's, it's more the idea of like, no, because there was like talk of a, I think a clay Thompson retirement and it came from maybe a, an untrusted source. I didn't dig deep enough. If I'm being honest, and yes, I occasionally get annoyed on this show when I see, like I talked about last year, when MLB trade rumors didn't really source it, they just assumed that the Guardians would somehow have a $100 million payroll. And I'm like, that's bad data. Mm-hmm. Going on a diatribe against you know fans talking on mics about teams when you worked at Locked On is ironic because that's 80% of our podcasts. Most people aren't credentialed in network. Most of us are, yeah, we do work in media and most of us have worked in varying levels of media, but it became a huge story. The biggest one I've ever seen featuring locked on. And we felt like we had to address it. Yeah. Super unfortunate. I'm glad you gave some context too. Cause I gotta be honest. When I first saw the clip uh, going on social media, which often happens this way. Yes. Um, I it, didn't know the context behind the conversation. Yeah, I mean, for sure. There, there. Look, there, we we see this in Cleveland all the time too. Even with uh, rumors getting out there that without any substance, like there's nobody. I always say this to people who are who are baseball fans in Cleveland. There are two or three people that I don't that I have notifications turned on from, and I'll, I'll say in Cleveland specifically, well, nationally, Jeff Passan, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, I get his notifications on Twitter. Uh, Zach Meisel at the Athletic, I get his notifications. Because when he tweets something, it's obviously important. Um, Manny Bell, who covers the Guardians for MLB.com, like, you know, if you don't see things from them, uh, and there are, there are others too, and I'm just saying these are the ones that I generally yeah. pay the most attention to in Cleveland. But, uh, yeah, we've seen some of the issues in Cleveland where people are tweeting things that are maybe not supposed to be out there or aren't accurate. But, yeah, don't punching up and punching down at people is so ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, look, we, we want you to listen to Lockdown Guardians. We We – Jeff and I enjoy talking about the Guardians. We've done so together. We've done so separately. We've done so as 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 friends on 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 social media as well. But you know, there's a lot of good podcasts out there. There's a lot of other good content creators in Cleveland that you can pay attention to. You know, podcasts, written stuff, 
Um, some of them are fans, some of them are media, some of them are, you know, a little bit in between, you know, if whatever, whatever you enjoy, if the, if these people who make podcasts enjoy making it, listen to it. Or, or if you enjoy what they have to say, they don't necessarily have to have insider access to have a unique opinion or to have good ideas. You know, neither one of us is, is, uh, at guardians games in person in the press box right now. Um, doesn't mean we don't have a clue what's going on. So, you know, there you go. We've, we've both been in media for, for 20 something years now, or a little under 20 years, uh, 15 years, I should say for me. Um, doesn't mean we're always right. Doesn't mean we always have the best opinions, but you know, we do pay attention and we do, uh, try to give you good information. So we don't try to make ourselves be better than anybody else. We just try to make ourselves worth listening to. And anybody, anybody can do that. You just got to make yourself worth listening to. Don't listen to what everybody else says. And I've always tried to make it my thing. Like I've seen this business um, at points be extremely cutthroat. I have had there, you know, there are people who have been uh, very rude to me in the past or have gone out of their way to be jerks, but I don't like, air that out and said, I always try to, to raise people. And there are a few people out there who like have 10 times the Twitter followers of me, where I can proudly say that like, Hey, before they had, you know, a thousand followers, I was there and saying, Hey, go check this person out. And I've always believed this is a way to help raise up others uh, to greater things. And that I agree, like punching down and the whole thing with the warriors, it's just, it's, and then to like keep like du- doubling and tripling down and then to be like, yo, yeah, it, I'm not credentialed either. But then to make a statement about, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like it, it was a mess and there were a lot of angry people and we saw the response and I get it because if you're pouring your heart and your soul into your thing, like why is this person who's probably likely never listened to it like crapping on you? And that is not our take. We don't support it. We don't uh, back it. And we just thought it was important to take a moment and be like, yeah, that was uh, it was a, a, a dark day for, I think, the Lockdown Network, because that is, again, the biggest story I've ever seen. And I've been here since MLB began, you know, th- I've been doing this for three and a half years. So we had to address it because, yeah, it, it went viral. And it's the first time we as a network have gone viral as far as I've known. And as is likely with viral, it was a negative. Uh, now that we've kind of focused on the negative, let's let's go to those quotes. I'm hoping they'll have some positivity in them or some fun stuff to discuss. <laughs> uh, well, I could start with the good one. Do you want me to start with, start with okay, the good. one? One's not a bad one, but it's more of a, uh, a face of reality. Okay. Let's start with the good. Actually, my fiance sent this to me from uh, Facebook. She, she said that she thought, saw this uh, and this applied. It was a guardians fan who, who posted this, but it was, uh, I think it applies to all sports in general. Um, sports that should remind us that life is a series of moments, good and bad. And we should enjoy the ones that give us joy and satisfaction and be grateful for those. Only one team can win each year, and if winning at all is your only definition of success uh, and happiness, then chances are you'll be a miserable fan, and if you live your life that way, you'll be a miserable person. So enjoy the moments in the journey without caring about the destination. Enjoy the process first, the final result second, because uh, I hate to break it to you. In the end, we all lose, even the Yankees, as they're down 4-3 to three as we're recording this on, on Sunday night. Um, that's always been kind of one of my takes, is that you know if your only way that you can enjoy a sports season is – a championship and everything else is a failure. You're going to be unhappy a lot of years. I used to joke that, um, you know, if you're a fan of Tom Brady, then, you know, you're going to be happy most years because the guy was winning every Super Bowl. But if you're not a fan of Tom Brady, then he's not going to any Super Bowls anymore. It doesn't look like he's playing terrible or the Bucks are playing terrible. But um, yeah, if you're, if your only way of, of happiness watching sports is a championship, you're going to be disappointed a lot of years, man. Like, 
look, we just up with the Phillies in the first segment. Um, that, you know, I don't think a lot of Phillies fans, when they fired Joe Girardi, thought they're going to win a championship this year. And they're now getting to enjoy a great season and a great, you know, going to the World Series. And if they lose, that's tough. You know, that's, that's unfortunate. Doesn't mean that it hasn't been a great journey since that, since that firing of Joe Girardi. Not that it's all his fault, but you know what I mean? Like baseball, especially, is the longest running sport. Like March, February, even to September, like in October. If you don't enjoy it, and we, I don't want to tell any fan how to feel because this is how I feel. And if, if you feel differently, then, you know, that's fine. But I just think that mentally, that's not to say you can't be disappointed when a team loses. It's hard to go to the playoffs. It's hard to get to the World Series because, again, like the Phillies, if you you can do all these things and get there and there's no guarantee you get back next year. So with Cleveland, I feel that way, too. I feel like Cleveland next year has a great chance to get back. But at the same time, it's hard to climb that mountain again, no matter who you're on your team. Um, I mean, the Astros and the uh, even the Indians of the 90s are a better example of those things. But, um, yeah, just enjoy the journey. Enjoy what, what brings us together in sports. Like, enjoy being nervous every pitch in the postseason. If it doesn't work out your way, that's that sucks. And uh, it's definitely okay to be disappointed. But, you know, like I said, if, you, if your entire goal of watching sports is to see your team win a championship, you're not going to reach your goal most years, and you're going to be pretty upset. So I just want to point out uh, the Philly thing could be bad for us all because uh, the last times that uh, Philadelphia's won a World Series was 1929, 1980, and 2008. So there's been a financial collapse after every Phillies World Series. Just to have a fun little uh, bow on the uh, the Phillies uh, talking about the uh, the fun of this year. Uh, Whew, wow. Yeah, well, my just, next just kind of, yeah. Just kind of a fun thing. Uh, hopefully, none of that is true. But uh, yeah, I you know I think I saw somewhere else where it's like essentially teams average something like three win three championships per one hundred years, and mm-hmm. that just might be because most leagues are like thirty odd plus teams. But yeah, if guess what, most of us won't live to a hundred. So that means if you're lucky, you get one to two, and mm-hmm. if you're not in it, it I you are the most crud- curmudgeonly person possible if you can't enjoy any other part of it. Cause that means you're spending like 70 years, maybe as a sports fan and having two years that were enjoyable. I can't imagine that. So yeah, that's uh that was kind of my button on your, on your first quote. Yeah. And, and even just to like the Cavs stuff, like I remember years with the Cavs and you should also listen to lockdown Cavs, our good friend, Chris Manning over there after you're done listening to us. But like, remember the LeBron years when he was in Cleveland um, especially the second time, like they won in 2016 and it was like the regular season just be kind of came meaningless and you're just waiting to get to, and, and even the Indians did this in, in 18 and 17 and 18, right. Except for the 22 game winning streak, like 2018, we were just waiting till October and it did. The regular season was like almost miserable except for that winning streak. And it's like, you just, you didn't get to enjoy it. And that's why my next quote was, uh, you know, expectations are the thief of joy. They really are next year for Cleveland. You know, this year there were no expectations. There were, you know, you hoped no, none of us saw Stephen Kwan doing what he did. We were all thrilled. He made the opening day roster. Nobody saw Andre Semenis becoming an all-star. Um, Tristan McKenzie. I think there were some signs you could say he was going to take a leap and you had Jose and Classe who you felt pretty good about, but I mean, no one really saw this coming and it was, it was exciting. The Cavs last year, it's the same way. They had a young, weirdly shaped roster of players, and they played them just right, and Cleveland played them just right, and it worked out for them this year. But next year, there's going to be expectations, and those things change things, and um, it makes things 
less enjoyable if you let it. Um, so that first quote and the second quote kind of tie in together, you know, still want to enjoy next year. And hopefully there aren't, they're going to be setbacks. There are going to be some regressions, you know, hopefully they can do what they can over the off season to offset that and, and, you know, prepare for that. Cause that does happen. They know it happens. Um, but yeah, expectations are the thief of joy and, and for Cleveland next year, there will be expectations and we have to prepare for those hopefully. And, not let it get into our head and enjoy, try to enjoy 2023 as much as we enjoyed 2022. Yeah. There's always kind of a bonus fun when it's like out of nowhere, right? Like that's what these two young teams was that way. Yeah. These two fun young Cleveland teams have uh basketball and yeah. Hey, maybe we'll get lucky. Maybe the guardians will make a Donovan Mitchell esque move uh, this off season. That's what we've been hoping for. And you know, that that's, that could be uh, something, you know, speaking of that, I know we have a, another. Uh, we have a tweet that you want to talk about. Justin and I want to do a thing, so you can hit us up on Lockdown Guardians. You can hit us up on uh, YouTube, the YouTube, the Twitter, anywhere. Uh, in terms of the players you would like to see the Guardians acquire, if it is a free agent, just say I would like to see them get this player in free agency. Um, if it's Degrom or Judge, we're probably going to ignore it. But hey. Uh, if it is a trade, send us your trade ideas, and then we'll have a show where, like, let's say it is the the Christian Walker one, because we know that his name is going to come up, or the Sean Murphy one, and we are going to evaluate, say, who would say yes or no to the trade offers um, and get into, you know, like, which one is maybe closest to it, what makes sense. So we will give credit to you, uh, unless you do not want us to state your name. But it could be a fun thing to do. So you can hit us up on all the various social media aspects and sites with your trade ideas and or free agents you would like to see them. Uh, yeah, any assume. any player, any player. I mean, yeah, like Jeff said, the or judge will probably be are going to ignore. But um, anybody else besides that, you know, feel free to to let us know why you're interested and and give us, you know, even if it's maybe a contract, even if it's not a if it's a free agent, tell us what contract you think they you think is fair or you think they're going to accept and uh, yeah, trades for sure. Give us that. We'll definitely give you a thumbs up or thumbs down and we'll, we'll debate why and why not. We'll try to get into that as deep as we can uh, during the off season. Here's one more. And, and this, this speaks to the, um, the same segments we're going to do on trade. So Mike Petriello of MLB.com had a great tweet uh, to start the ALCS between Yankees and Astros. And he said, are the Astros just the guardians offense with power? So, as we know, Cleveland during the regular season, lowest strikeout rate, highest contact rate in baseball. Well, Houston had the second lowest strikeout rate and the second highest contact rate in baseball all season. But guess what, Jeff? The Astros hit 80 more home runs than Cleveland. So the Astros did essentially do the same thing Cleveland did all season. They just hit 80 more home runs. And it makes me think, and we should get into this in a future episode as well, and we'll, we'll address these through the trades possibly, but um, – I don't think it's. I don't think Cleveland's going to come up with 80 home runs from now to next year. I just don't think it's going to happen. So, um, how many home runs does Cleveland need to add? I'm, I'm not saying they have to be the Astros. I'm saying they have to just add power to what they already have. So, how many home runs does Cleveland need to add? And obviously, they, they matter when postseason. But anyway, how many do they have to add? And how many can they add? And how do they add them? Is my question. We can either. Uh, we don't have a lot of time to talk about it today, but we can. No. Um, I'll say like 35 to 40, just that Fran mill gap, you know, like that's going to be, that's the realistic addition. And then maybe you say like 45 with some internal growth from young players. Like we know Oscar Gonzalez uh, 
can hit as more, the, you know, the, the heck out of the ball, but he didn't have, you know, the in-game power this year. Maybe he can add, you know, f- you know, five to 10 more. And then you're looking at, so then all of a sudden it's like getting that 130 home run threat through a trade, maybe or free agency. And then from there, you know, can Oscar step up more? Can, you know, if you replace Owen Miller with someone like Arias at first base who has a better power potential, it's like, can that lead to five more? It's like, how can we build Healthy it? Jose all season? You know, he was yeah. he struggled at the end of the year. Can you get, he had 29 or he had 30, I think. And, and no, 29, we didn't have 30. 29. Before. And he's at 35 in the past. So he, can he get yeah. back to 35? Can you get uh, five more from Andres Jimenez? Like, those little things can Quan grow into five more home runs. Like there's a way to add for sure. Um, my guess is, and then we can, we can get into this again, another, another episode, but my, my thinking is they have to find a way to add 40 home runs next year. I think, I think 40, you know, the Astros at 80, I think Cleveland would do well to add 40, whether it's external, a mix of external and internal, I would say, and go from there. No. And I think that makes, it's basically Fran Mill. Adding any more than 40 is, yeah, adding more than forty, I think, would just be really hard and and um, unrealistic. And you know, and that's just the thing. Like, for as much as we kind of warn about regression, and it is likely, what we're kind of seeing too at the same time is like, well, Jose played the whole year hurt. There was an injury. You know, Jimenez was playing hurt. Um, and, and you know, I think one of those really underrated aspects in terms of what could help avoid regression is like, I mean, they just, I mean, losing Reyes was like like a massive injury in of itself for a 20 year old to fall apart like he did. So there, I, I think essentially a lot of it is just finding what Fran mill was supposed to be in this lineup, which is not cheap or easy to find. Yep. That's why I said they missed and people mis- mistook my tweet all year. I said this multiple times, Cleveland missed Fran mill Reyes so much like, no, he didn't. He was terrible this year. No, they didn't miss what he did this year. They missed the guy that hit like yeah. 30 home runs in 2021. Despite the fact that he missed a month, they needed that guy to work out like they thought he was going to. Yeah, a right-handed bat with power who would you know would be like a one ten to one twenty runs created plus like that was mm-hmm. yes you are dead on with that. Yeah, so we can get into more of that in another another show as well and talk about ways they can add that and that'll probably go along with the the trade proposals we hope to get from everybody as mm-hmm. we uh, jump into those in the off season. Yeah, so just go ahead and start sending those in. Um, Forever. Yeah. Yeah, that will we'll handle. I've been getting some Facebook ones. People have been uh, hitting me up on my writer page on Facebook, and that works as well uh, in the, the Facebook Messenger. And I want to thank um, Pete and Kelly, who went the extra mile to to go uh, contact me and talk about how much they love the show. I do appreciate hearing from people in, in every format. It's always nice to hear who is. I mean, I've got, got a LinkedIn comment the other day from someone who loved the show. So um, I am seeing them. If I don't always have the time to respond, I, I'm seeing them. I'm appreciating them. And this is a thank you. We are at 784 YouTube subscribers. So let's keep that push alive and going. I mean, that's what, uh, 226. Oh, no, 216. So uh, if you and 216 of your closest friends could subscribe, we would very much appreciate that. And um, it, do you have anything else to add before I do our final close? No, I don't know. Okay, so... Uh, With that said, go, go, Guardians, go.